Our text tonight is from the book of Ephesians. You'll need a pink. Started last Sunday night to do a series on gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to try to give some help and encouragement and strength to the body, church. I think that we do not um, really spend enough time on those things that help us to understand who we are and what we do. We, we give these pep talks about what we should be doing, kind of like locker room you know, talks, but we don't um, you know, work, out, work out the team and show them their assignments and what, what each one is expected to do. And that's what, you know, that's the basis of what we're trying to do on Sunday evening. And I hope that you'll come each time. There'll be about seven ser uh, sermons in this series on the spiritual gifts. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 begins like this. And He gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That chapter, verse 13, is a sermon itself that shall um, wait to be preached. Let me uh, mention, uh, review just a minute and remind you that a spiritual gift is a skill or ability that God gives the believer whereby the recipient can perform a function in the body with ease and pleasure and success. It is a gift that God gives the believer that he might perform a function within the body, within the church, with ease, pleasure, and success. The word is charismata, it's a grace gift. And it lifts this gift business out of the realm of merit badges, you know, and, 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 and gold cups, you know. And we want to put on our little spiritual mantles and say, look here, what I've done, you see. And because I'm a super Christian, I got this super gift. I'm going to wear it on my spiritual lapel like a medal. Lifts it out of that. It's a grace gift. It suggests that it cannot be merited. It's not something that's earned. It's sovereignly bestowed by the Holy Spirit at the believer's conversion. The purpose of spiritual gifts is that the body of Christ might function as the body of Jesus on earth so that when the, when the unbelieving world and the world itself sees the church fulfilling and manifesting spiritual gifts, they see in action Jesus on earth again, the body of Christ on earth again. Now we've come to see, uh, we've come to, to uh, consider tonight the support gifts. If you look on the back there, I'm, I've categorized these gifts with the help of other people and scholars into three categories. Support gifts, service gifts, and sign gifts, and list them underneath those categories. We're going to consider tonight that first category, support gifts. 
Now, there are some parts of the body that you cannot live without. You know that, of course. For example, you can live without your hand, your arm. Many people do. Most, uh, the greatest teacher I ever had in my life was a, was a one-armed science teacher. He was a fantastic man. He, 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 did a, he, he functioned well without his arm. You can't function without your heart. And a man can go without his eyesight, but he couldn't go without his brain. Some try, but you can't make it in life without a brain. And some can live without legs, total amputees, but you can't function without lungs. There's some uh, parts of the body that are essential to the body. You can't live without them. Now there are some gifts that are, that are essential. You cannot live without them in the church. I'm going to show you those tonight. Now you can live without some gifts in the church, but the church is weak and impaired and sickly and gives poor witness to Christ. But you can go on and have a church, so to speak, without those gifts manifested in the body. But there are some gifts that you cannot function as a church without, and they are, as I see it, the support gifts. I will say three things about support gifts, and you'll come put them under number A. First of all, support gifts are the most important. Now, some of you are wondering how I came out with my transmission. You've been living on the edge of your seat because I used the illustration last week that, that there, there's a guy that built my automobile or men that designed it and put it together, and they are important. Then, there's, then you got this mechanic over here, maybe making, you know, like a minimum wage that keeps that car running. And, and to say that one man is more important, you know, you couldn't prove it by me because I got my transmission fixed. Don't even know the guy's name that put it together. Just took it down there and he fixed it. Now she's running again. Now, that man probably doesn't, you'll never go down in history as somebody famous, and he's certainly not an engineer, he's a mechanic. I don't know how much he makes, but I tell you what, he's important to me. But perhaps in the strictest category in the, in the, in the, uh, with regard to engineering and designing and intelligence, the guy who built that car might be more important, but not to me in that sense. But in the body, there are some gifts that are more important. We noticed that last time. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 31 says, Desire earnestly the greater gifts. Now the support gifts are the most important. Secondly, support gifts are public in nature. They're upfront gifts. The people who have support gifts are the people who are out in the front. They're upfront folks. They're the leaders. They're the leadership of the church in many ways. The, the uh, private gifts are man-to-man. -man. Support gifts are public in nature. They're to the masses. They're to the, to the numbers, etc. Number three, Support gifts are directly related to the communication of scriptures. You can mark that down, and that's a good way to know it. Support gifts are directly related to the communication of scripture. Scripture ministry is, the, is the, at the heart of support gifts. Scripture ministry. And a person who has, the, has a spiritual gift 
that we'd fall under these categories that we noticed as I read the text, and you'll see in that back on the back of the page, are people who minister and communicate the Holy Scripture of God. Now, I said I had three things to say. I have four. Number four. Support gifts seem to carry with them and honor a respect in the body that is not found in the other gift or categories. They carry with them a kind of an honor or a respect. It's, it's not just within the body itself, but in the Scriptures. So that in the Scriptures, and we're going to see that in the application in just a moment, the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of the Scripture to put down this idea, this truth, that there are, that these folk who have gifts of support nature are to be respected and honored. They're to, they're to be uh, respected. They're to be uh, given the place of leadership and authority you're to look to them with honor and respect. Okay, service gifts. Now, I just want to say a couple of things about service gifts and, clarif and clarifying the categories. If the support gifts minister to the, to, the, to the body to equip the saints for ministry, and that's what they do, the support gifts minister to the body to equip the saints for ministry. The service gifts minister within the body to encourage the saints. Now, I, I need to contrast that so you can see it. The support gifts minister to the body and equip the saints for ministry. That is, they shape them up for ministry. They give them, shape them up, boy, and get them ready. The service gifts minister within the body to encourage the saints. That is, they ship them out. You know, they boost them up. So you have equipping, that is, shaping them up, and you have encouragement and shipping them out. Oh, how we need those gifts exercised in the church. Now, the third category are sign gifts. That, that is, it, the third category is the sign gift category. And that has to do with the, authent, uh, the authentication, the, the verification or validation of Scripture. Okay, and we'll look at that uh, later on. Okay, let's get these support gifts. First is apostleship. Now, with your New Testament, I want you to hold the place here in Ephesians. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1, okay? We're just going to do a little Bible study here. A little, little bit didactic in nature. Did I hear somebody say something when I said that? Maybe not. Verse 21. Apostleship, okay? Acts chapter 1, verse 21. It is therefore necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time, that the Lord Jesus went, and out, went in and out among us. They're talking about replacing Judas now, these disciples. 
It says, absolutely necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all of the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that He was taken up from the cross, taken up from us, one of those should become a witness with us of His resurrection. Now, what they're doing is they're replacing one of the disciples. They're replacing a man who is going to become an apostle. He's going to be one of the apostles. And this was the requirement that they were saying. He had to be a witness of the resurrection and are the resurrected Christ. So that the apostles were men who were trained at the feet of Jesus, those 12 men. Now look at chapter 6 of Acts. I'm going to just kind of uh, nail down what I'm talking about. Chapter 6 of Acts Beginning at verse 1, he says, Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number... Now who were the disciples? The twelve? No. He's talking about the, the disciples of Jesus that were being swept into the kingdom in mass, thousands of them. He says, they were increasing in numbers. And when that happened, a complaint arose. Now, now skip down to verse um, 6. And these they brought before the apostles. And after praying, they laid their hands on them. Now, the disciples were those people who were being saved, you know, by the thousands. But the apostles were these 12 men who were eyewitnesses to the resurrection, who, are, who, who, who knew, who saw the resurrected Christ after His crucifixion and resurrection. So apostleship, the gift of apostleship, was a gift of these men who were eyewitnesses to the resurrection. Secondly, the word apostle comes from the word which means to send forth. It's the word from which we get our word missionary, apostolos, the ones who are sent forth. So that these men, apostles, were men sent forth by the Holy Spirit who were trained at the feet of Jesus. Now it's not possible in, in the present day to have an apostle in the church. Well, you want, that's... You know, that's didn't take a genius to figure that out. All right, second, prophet. Turn in your New Testament, turn in your New Testament to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This verse says, Pursue love, yet Desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. But especially that you may prophesy. Now a prophet, prophetes in the Greek means one who speaks forth. He is a spokesman for God. Now in the new, before the Bible was... Uh, accepted and, and uh, put together, a, a, a prophet was essential because a prophet was one who received a message 
supernaturally from God and who spoke that message supernaturally. Now, Ryrie in his book on the Holy Spirit says there are three things that are attendant to this gift of prophecy. One is that he received a message directly from God through special revelation and he was guided to declare it to the people. He not only received the message, but when he preached, he preached with supernatural power. And third, always God did something to authenticate his message. God just did something marvelous when he would preach. Now before the Bible was um, accepted, that was absolutely essential because a man couldn't turn to the Scriptures like we have them now, the New Testament, and, and speak on the authority of the Scripture. He stood and spoke by the authority of God's power in his message and in his life and in the result of God's blessing upon that message. Supernatural message, supernatural delivery, supernatural word. Now, a prophet is a person, or the gift of prophecy is a person then who speaks without error, supernaturally, and he speaks to men for edification and exhortation. He reproves and rebukes and he gives consolation. The gift of prophet, of prophecy, a prophet. Third, evangelism. We're looking in the list, going down the list. Evangelism. Gospelizing is the word. Gospelizing. Now, there are some in this place tonight who have the gift of evangelism. Um, and, and, and I think that, that what we're seeing in the text is God's gift to the church, you know, and He gives to the church evangelists. But also in the church there are those who are not professionally evangelist but have the gift of evangelism. I believe that. Now if that uh, to say that I, well I don't have the gift of evangelism so I'm not supposed to gospelize, I'm not supposed to evangelize. Can't get off that easy because Paul told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist, to do the work of gospelizing. I mean, that's, a, that's a, a responsibility that each one of us has. If you're not winning people to Christ, if you're not evangelizing, gospelizing, then you're not doing God's will. But there are those who have the gift of evangelism. That's what Ephesians 4.11 says. Now this is what an, the gift involves. It is the ability to share Christ with ease and success in today's world. The ability to share Christ with ease and success in today's world. I've been out visiting with people in this church who have the gift of evangelism, New Testament gift of evangelism, and they have the ability to share Christ with ease and success. The one who has this gift is a, is a person who seems to be able to think with the mind of a lost person, to give answers to questions that a lost man has. He just is able to think with the mind of a lost man. Pastor-teacher is the fourth. 
It's the only time that this word pastor appears. Now, I want to show you what the pastor's role is um, since I are one. I, I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5, verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God. Now what does a shepherd do? Shepherd the flock of God among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God. Now, if a guy says to me, I don't believe in a God-called ministry, I'm going to take him straight to that text. According to the will of God, you shepherd the flock. If it's God's will for you to be a pastor, you be a pastor. And not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, did you know that God gave you to me? I really believe that. One of these, one day, came over to North Fort Worth, Fort Worth, Texas, back in the summertime. He said, I'm going to give you this congregation out there in Durant. He did. He knew you was going to be here tonight when he did that. That's beautiful. I believe that with all my heart. He has allotted you to me. You know what that says? He's given me the special privilege of being your pastor being your shepherd. And I do it with eagerness. Nor yet is lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be the examples to the flock. All right, just turn back a page or two to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 2, verses 2 through 4. Here's the role of the pastor, okay? Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, don't get, don't get upset when I reprove, he said, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to miss. Now what is a pastor? He is a person who is to shepherd the flock, to, to give oversight, to be an example, and he's to preach the word. And preaching the word means to rebuke and to reprove and exhort with much instruction. Now you can grade me, but don't do it out loud. You can you know, boo and hiss or cheer. You know, don't do that. Teaching is the next pastor teacher, and, and I want to deal with this gift of teaching, and that'll be the last thing we talk about. I promised you, I made you a promise, and I'll do it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. I want you to turn to that. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. All right, 
Teachers is a, you look down the list of spiritual gifts and that one is in every list. It means to give instruction, to teach with ease and pleasure and success. Now it doesn't mean that you'll get your message in 10 minutes, you know. I mean, God will just zap you and you get your Sunday school lesson and you go and just lay it out there. It, it also means that you love to study. You love to discover and to share. A person with a gift of teaching is a person who, who has that, that special gift to, to dig into the Word and find out what it says and then it just loves sharing that Word and does it with ease and pleasure and success. What teachers are to the church, teachers are to the church what professors are to the university. And God gives to the church teachers. Now what is the application? I want to show you two things and then we'll go. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, beginning uh, verse 7 and verse 17. Now, some of you may think, you know, well, this is kind of a boring deal. Talk about these spiritual gifts and get up there and teach. Let me tell you what. If we would just do just exactly what this scripture says about if our church practiced this, I, I promise you that it would be the most dynamic church in Southern Baptist Convention. It'd be the most It'll be the most exciting church in the whole wide world. You know, you talk about somebody uh, exploding on the world, you find a church that does this, and it's, it's going to do that. It's not boring stuff, folks. This is, the, this is the heart of what it's all about as a church. Now let me show you. What your the application to, to you. Now you say, well, I can't find myself in, those, in that list of support people. I'm not an apostle. I'm not an evangelist. I'm, I'm not a, um, what was the third one? I'm not a prophet. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a pastor teacher. All right, what is, your applica what is the application of this to you then? What, what is your responsibility? Look at verse 7. Remember those who led you. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you. And considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Now, I don't know how it could be in plainer than that. You find that person in the church who has been gifted as a support with a support gift. Remember that person who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, you start imitating them. That is, you start living like they taught you to live. Now it says two things about your responsibility. It says, first of all, you need to quit cutting down the people who lead you. I tell you, one of the worst sins you can commit is to criticize a spiritual leader in the church. 
One of the greatest sins you can commit is to cut down the people God has given you to lead you. And the second thing it says for you to do is that you, instead of picking at them, of trying to find fault with them or the failure they are, you need to follow them and imitate them. Start living up to what they've taught. All right, second, look at verse 17. He says, obey your leaders and submit to them. That's pretty heavy stuff. Now, it was pretty good until we got here, right? It was, were you doing all right until we got to this part? He said, I was just feeling so good about this thing. And here he comes and he talks about remembering them and imitating them. And then he says, obey your leaders and submit to them. I say that, my friend. That's God's Word, black and white. Submit to them. And for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. That, that is to say, that spiritual leader, that man, one of these men here in understanding in this category, he's going to give an account for your soul. He's not accountable to you. He's accountable for you. And he's going to stand to God on, and, and give an account with regard to his responsibility and how he carried it out. He says, so you obey them and submit to them. They're the ones that are going to give an account. They live in double jeopardy. Then he says, let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for who? For you. Now, if somebody were to come to me and say to me, uh, hey, hey, hey guy, I'm going to tell you how you can make a profit. I'm going to listen to what he's got to say. I'm going to tell you how to make a profit, how to profit in everything you do. I'm going to listen. If somebody comes up to me and says to me, I'm going to tell you something that's going to cause you some heartache and you're going to be a loser if you do this, if you follow through on that. You're going to lose. You're going to be a big loser. I'm going to listen to that too. Now what this writer saying, whoever wrote this, what he's saying is this. If God gives to the church those who have the gifts that we've noted, support gifts, and you do not obey them and submit to them, you're going to pay for that. It's going to cost you. It's going to be a rough situation for you. And God is saying, you just let me take care of the guy that has the gift. He's going to account to me. But if you don't obey or submit to his leadership, it's going to be tough sledding for your old life. I've seen that more times than 10. Um, I started to give an illustration or two about that, but you probably wouldn't believe it anyway. But I want you to know that, that it just doesn't pay a person or a church to to rebel against those that God has given to the church to be their leader. It just doesn't pay. It'll cost you heartache, sometimes your life. 
Now, God is raising up a church somewhere in this world. God's going to give us a church. I mean, He's always done that. And I, you know, He's going to raise up a church that's going to, that He's going to use to win this world to Himself. That's His plan. And the church He is raising up is a church that is willing to find where they fit each individual with regard to God's will in everything. Not just spiritual gifts, but in everything. I pray it will be us. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You that You've gifted us a church. You've gifted us individually. and You've gifted the church. And we're just, we stand in awe, Father, when we get to looking at how You've planned it all out and worked it out. And I just rejoice to, with these folks tonight to know that, that you have a divine and marvelous plan for us. God, help us to know where we fit. And then most of all, most importantly, help us to be willing to say, yes, that's me. I'm here. I'm ready. I'm available. Because I pray in Jesus' name. Now we have these invitations, just as simple as this. First, to come and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ trusting Him for salvation. Just like that lady stepped out of row two this morning. Said, I don't know how to be saved. Tell me how to be saved. Second invitation is for you to come as Christians and to commit your life to Christ, His will. And to the church, maybe as it relates to spiritual gifts or rededication of life or church membership, we invite you to come while we stand. Kelly's going to lead our song. You come right on the first verse. <laughs>